0: It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, Asianboxing.info. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We appreciate you. Scott, how are you today?
1: I'm
0: doing well, just hanging out, um, enjoying this past week where we saw a bunch of great fights. Uh, Scott, let's start off with Casimiro, who sparked the Duke. I mean, he looked really powerful, really strong, Casmira with a, a statement win this past weekend.
1: Yeah, it's exactly what Casemiro would have wanted. He's had a frustrating year. He's had the Inuit fight fall through. He was essentially making his first live televised uh, U.S. bout. And for those who perhaps weren't aware of him or perhaps that Oh, this is the guy that he knew he was supposed to fight. He made an absolute statement. He's shone. He showed what he could do. Really exciting performance. The exact opposite in some ways to his last performance against Zolani Tete.
0: And I think it's important to to build this fight between Inoue and Casimiro. You need that excitement. Because I I don't know if people were as excited about Casimiro. They know about Inoue. Um, but now you see him and he's... On a big showtime pay-per-view fight, and you're like, oh, this this guy's special as well. And I think the exciting part is that he was calling out in no way like crazy in in the post fight interview. And so he's starting to build up this fight as well, which I think is is brilliant.
1: Yeah, it adds to the demand of the fight. And whilst I'm not sure we'll see it in the next six months. It helps build towards, it helps build that story going forward. I dare say that Casemiro taking on someone like Emmanuel Rodriguez, who I knew would beat, may further build that story. Um, but yeah, I see him getting that fight late next year. I see him building it for another 12 months, maybe. And then, boom, we'll get the big
0: one. And it's just a shame. I mean, it was scheduled April 25th. It was going to happen. But, you know, you can't help what has gone on in the world and we move on and we hope that it could happen like you say sometime next year late next year uh, but I- i'm excited for whenever this fight happens and casimero really proved himself uh, to be a strong strong opponent by that showing uh, also uh, on the other side we have the showtime spectrum and they had a huge card but uh espn plus had a card as well in joint partnership with BT Sports. And that was over uh, with Josh Taylor, who faced a tough Asian opponent in Danwa. But unfortunately, it was it was a dominating performance and a very short fight.
1: It was a short fight. It seemed like Danwa was going for it. It seemed like he was confident. He was full of ambition. And then he got hit in the body. And yeah, he didn't like it. Um, it was a disappointing outcome i thought he looked good before taking the body shot i he he definitely come to win he hadn't come to fall over but then he
0: got hit and did fall over and
1: yeah very disappointing outcome
0: you're right though he came out guns a-blazing and that's what you want to see when you're given a title shot you don't want to just stand there and survive no you want to go for it and that's exactly what he did but those body shots Sometimes you can't get up from them. Or usually you can't get up from them. And that's exactly what happened. Josh Taylor, just a perfectly placed shot to the liver. And we saw it, shoot, in a non-Asian uh, type bout between Charlo and Rosario, where Charlo hits Rosario to the solar plexus and he goes down. So I, I think that might be a lesson to, to young fighters and to just fighters in general is go to the body. Maybe a little bit more. Be like Naoya Noe or, or Canelo. I mean, those guys are successful because of their body work. We saw it with Donwa. He looked live, and all of a sudden, his legs were gone.
1: His legs were gone. The only really good news for donwa I guess, is that there is no serious injury. He did get taken to hospital, and they checked him out, and there's nothing of any real you know, injury-wise. That's a relief. The way he went down, it looked like there's broken ribs or some internal damage. Really, really nice shot by Taylor. It was missed over here um, by the BT Sport people who said he was taking a dive, which just seemed uh, a little bit odd for them to say.
0: For people who maybe haven't boxed, that's what they're going to say. But I mean, even over here, Timothy Bradley knew right away, right when he saw that short shot to the liver, he was like, hey, that's a liver shot. You know, and you don't get up from those. Um. Yeah, you could tell that he was in pain. Was trying his best to get up, but couldn't. And, and sometimes that happens. You know, you have to give him props for giving that effort, and also just some respect, right? You don't want to say he took a dive for for getting his uh liver just crushed.
1: And again, it's come to Ag with the best fighter at 140 pounds. Um. Yeah, people losing inside the opening round. Uh. We saw it with Inoue McDonald last year. That was a really good fighter, so no real shame
0: there. No, and sometimes those are the most exciting. Those are one-round knockouts. I mean, Mike Tyson made a living off of it where he was the most entertaining guy in boxing with one-round knockouts. Nothing wrong with that. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, AsianBoxing.info with Scott and Colin. Over in Japan, a lot of talented fighters fighting let's start with iwakawa
1: mika iwakawa the wbo atom weight champion i, I think she's actually quite lucky against nana suzuki um early on iwakawa looked absolutely brilliant she showed real really good punch picking really good movement but suzuki i don't know what the feeling suzuki for 10 rounds she incessantly came forward she was an absolute nightmare to go up against so one of those fighters where you can see there's all effort and there's very little skill to Suzuki's work, but even all that effort really, really pushed Iwakawa, who looked 37 at times. She was really giving him an absolute helm.
0: If you're 37 in, in the ring, I, I already think you're a winner in my book. I don't need to see the win uh, because that's courageous. I tip my cap to Iwakawa.
1: Yeah, if the people out in that one, it is worth checking out. It is exciting. Suzuki made it exciting. Iwakawa added the level of skill. It was, um, it was one genuinely worth watching if you're interested in female boxing.
0: You could watch that on asianboxing.info. All the cool videos on there. Speaking of watching uh, before this, and I didn't get a chance to watch this fight, but Scott was like, you yeah, have to check this kid out. And we previewed him last week. Rentaro Kimura, the... Lightweight southpaw. He's only 23. Making his second fight appearance. And he looked amazing. And I went to Asian boxing. And I said I had to at least watch a couple of these fights. He looked amazing. And Scott has a new nickname for Rentaro Kimura.
1: It's pretty obvious from his performance that he is the Japanese Lomachenko. His movement, his angles, his timing, his punch selection. He's close to Lomachenko as Asian boxing has right now
0: that's a huge statement we we know how brilliant Lomachenko is in the ring he's a technician he's a magician it's just so much fun to watch I could watch Lomachenko fight forever but you said that to me and I was like I have to go watch this kid so I went to Asian boxing I went to the video page and got to see some of this fight and he was as good as you you called Scott just toying with his opponent in the ring. For Kimura, he's supposed to fight soon, and I think that's good that he's getting back in there again. When is uh, he supposed to be back in the ring, Scott?
1: He's supposed to be back on December 10th uh, for what would be his third bout in the space of five months. If you've not seen his debut against Yuya Azuma, that was a brutal knockout, absolutely vicious. His bout this weekend against Takafumi Awayo was just a short case of skill. He showed offensive mastery early on, slippery
0: defense later on. He
1: yeah, the guy's just an amazing talent.
0: Well, he gained a new fan in myself, and I know that we were talking about him last week. I didn't miss his fight this week, but I'm gonna be keeping a close, close eye on Rentaro Kimura, and I think all of you out there should as well. Shun Kubo was back in the ring after uh, you know, a tough fight against Kan Shu. We got to see him on on the big stage for that featherweight title. This time he was back in Japan taking on Takashi Igarashi. How did this one pan out?
1: This was a very un-Japanese bout. It was quite slow paced It was not a fun, uh, enjoyable one to watch. Kubo was always a class above Igarashi, but both guys looked very cautious. Both guys looked quite scared. Um, Yeah, this was... Not one to check on edge and
0: Do you think Kubo ever gets back to that world title level?
1: No, I'm. I don't think he's in the top five or six at Japanese domestic level. To be honest, I think there's plenty in Japan that'll beat him at either. Uh, super bantamweight, featherweight, or a super featherweight. Um, he's talented. He's just very vulnerable. And I think he knows that now.
0: Kohei Oba, who. Gosh, we talk about older fighters, 35 years old. He was fighting on that same card, I believe, and that was against uh, Yoshiki Minato.
1: That was on the same card. It was Alba's first fight in six years. He'd struggled to make weight. He'd been quite open about his struggle to make weight, and he looked 35. He looked dreadful. Minato, who was moving up from flyweight to bantamweight, was too quick, too sharp, too powerful. Um, Arba, yeah, he just looks shot. He shouldn't be back in the ring again anytime soon.
0: It's, it's tough with these, these older fighters who were good, great at, at some point they want to get back in there, but sometimes it's just not, it's not the choice that needs to be made. And sometimes you should just enjoy retirement and do something else because it's a dangerous sport. You have to be in tip top shape to excel and going from a five-year layoff to, hey, I'm back in the ring, and I'm going up against a live opponent, that could be dangerous.
1: Yeah, it is certainly dangerous here. Yeah. Um, he got dropped before he was stopped. Minato looked really, really good. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Minato look so good. Alba went eight rounds with Randy Caballero in one of his previous bouts and was stopped in two here, and I think that probably tells you everything.
0: Asianboxing.info the Asian Boxing podcast Scott and Colin hopefully you are having a great day and oh, I know we are because we get to talk boxing so there's nothing better than that um Scott we have some fights coming up and actually some bigger names this week Sriskit back in the ring uh how do you see Sriskit's career going from here because we know he's fought some of the best in his weight class but now he's taking a tune-up fight. Does he get back to that level that we've seen him in?
1: He's 33 already. He's old for a super flyweight. He turns 34 in December. So I think the reality is he's not going to get back to that higher level. And what I think will see is one big fight next year from him, whether that is a third bout with Roman Gonzalez, a third bout with... Um, Juan Francisco Estrada, potentially a bout with Donnie Nietes or Kazuto that will be one of those. And then that'll probably be it for him in regards to big fights.
0: That's okay to me because he's given it all. He's fought, like you said, Chocolatito twice. Juan Francisco Estrada twice. We've seen him against some of the best. And that's all you can ask for. If he gets in there with some of the best, and not only did he get in the ring, he beat them, right? He beat uh, Chocolatito twice. He beat Estrada once. So he's he's been an impressive champ, and I think for his career, especially the way it started out to where it's turned out and where it's gone, uh, he can only look back and be very impressed with what he's done.
1: Yeah, from turning on a career that saw him lose to Akira Yagashi and... Yushin Yafusa in his first two bouts to becoming a two-time world champion. One of the most respected ties, not just from his era, but from any era. Massive, massive credit to Theresa Kett. What a he's had.
0: Also, back in the ring this week, uh, Kenichi Ogawa.
1: Kenichi Ogawa is facing Kazunori Nishitani in what is a bit of a strange one. Both guys were meant to fight each other in September. But due to Hoglanares testing positive for coronavirus, that entire show was then pushed back almost a month. As a result, we're now seeing Ogawa and Nishitani. Both guys are world-ranked. So although not many people will be aware of Nishitani, he is, I believe, in the IBF world rankings at Super Featherweight. The winner of this will potentially take one step further towards a, a world title fight. Both guys are in the 30s, so the reality is that the losers probably not going to uh, bounce back very far. But in regards to the fight, Ogawa's an aggressive, heavy-handed guy. Nishitani's a smart puncher. This stars should gel, fingers crossed. And this should be a really entertaining one.
0: How do you think Ogawa's perception, at least from the public, is? Like, it, has it recovered after his his drug test? Or is it still... Tainted or is he still seen as a tainted fighter?
1: He was never really seen as a tainted fighter in Japan. Although that sounds weird given how few Japanese fighters failed drug tests. It was seen as he was unfortunate. It it's still assumed that it was something in a skin medication that uh, flagged up that wasn't on whatever paperwork or whatever he needed to do. Um he was given a ban and when he returned from the suspension there was a big positive outcrying from funds. So I think either he's been forgiven or he was never
0: particularly held to a punishment in regards to how the funds took it. I do think it's incredibly difficult what these fighters do to stay clean because, you know, say you're taking a medication for, I don't know, allergies. Like I have allergies right now. I'm taking allergy medication. I don't know. There could be something in there. Or like you said, a skin care, treatment i don't know it's so hard and you have to be so careful with what you put on what you put in your body and if you make one mistake then that could be your career so i i I give a lot of props to these athletes for staying clean
1: yeah his was i believe for eczema it was a something for his eczema and it flagged up so yeah you don't really know what's in anything um and it's unfortunate. I think if they'd fill in a paperwork for a TUE, they would have gotten passed for everything anyway. So a frustrating time for a career.
0: Finally, one more fight we want to look at coming up uh, this week. On the third for the Japanese super welterweight title, he's defending it. It's Hiro- Hironobu Matsunaga.
1: Nobu Matsunaga defending the title in a mandatory against Yuto Shimizu. I absolutely love watching Matsunaga. He's like a little terrier. He's really aggressive, really exciting. This will be his second defense of the title, and he's taking a mandatory challenge in Yuto Shimizu, who is pretty much the opposite. He's an inside fighter who focuses on cart punching. He's a massive guy at the weight, at least in regards to Japan. Um, Star-wise, this should be really interesting with Matsunaga coming forward and Shimizu trying to counter and Blunt the, uh, the offensive charges of Matsunaga.
0: Asianboxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, we have started this the past couple of weeks, and hopefully you like these profiles. Shokichi Iwata is our profile of the week. Uh, I was able to see his pro debut over here in the States. Uh, it was actually in Carson um, at the StubHub Center but this light flyweight scott is young he has that amateur pedigree and you know what i i think the sky's the limit for him
1: yeah he has fantastic amateur pedigree he went 59 and 12 in the unpaired ranks scored 16 knockouts scored wins over kose tanaka and Takuma inui so fantastic amateur uh you mentioned his debut at the Still Center. I thought it was actually a little bit disappointing there. He got the win over Joel Bermudez, but I expected him to look better. But since then, he's just gone from from strength to strength. He looked brilliant against Daiki Kamiyama. He fought on um, the undercard of Ryoto Marata's defence win sorry, against Rob Brandt last year. He then fought Alejandro Cruz-Valadares, not the Alejandro Valadara's box coming I'm down for, but a, a Mexican with a 5-on-1 record. He's now taking on his second... Uh, he's now taking on his next challenge in Ryu Narizuka, an experienced domestic fighter. This should be another win for Iwata. Uh, he's incredibly talented, very smooth, very solid puncher, very good movement, very nice hand speed. I think that the plan was for this year for him to be a lot further advanced than he is but 2020 has been 2020 and we'll probably see him a title fight next year instead of this year
0: scott do you see iwata as being one of these guys like we've seen with tanaka in no way is he of that caliber where he can climb weight classes and rack up multiple titles
1: I'm not sure. Uh, He certainly has potential to become a two, possibly three-weight champion. I think that's probably the limit. I don't think he's got the size to go to super flyweight. I think he might be able to just about make minimum weight if needed. He's currently at light fly. I think flyweight will probably be at absolute limit. I think by the time we see him at title level, he'll have grown uh, light flyweight and be making his mark at fly. He is young, but He's about to hit 25 in February. He's not that young that he can go through
0: the weights like anyway. The Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Scott, we've been hearing a lot of Floyd Mayweather talk. Is he going to get back in the ring with some YouTube boxer, blah, 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 blah. We don't want to hear about that. We want to hear about the GOAT, the real GOAT of boxing. Wan Hang. Wan Hang is in the news.
1: Wanhang is in the news for having his 55th bout organised, his 13th defence of the Dewey BC Minweight title. Yeah, he, uh, he will be facing Pechmani Jim, otherwise known as Paniyapadabshri, or Pechmani CP Freshman, on November 27th. Surprisingly, this will be the first time he's ever fought a tie in uh, professional boxing. The challenger's 34-1, 22. He's a really live challenger. And yeah, this is, this is a really tough home for one who's He's heading towards his 35th birthday. Yeah. You'd favor the champion? Of course you he would. He's the girl. He is, you know, 54-0, 18. But his challenge is
0: very live, and this is not going to be an easy fight for him. More exciting news is that Takuma Inoue Coming off of that tough loss, very competitive loss to Nordin Obali for his first title shot. He is back in the ring as well.
1: He is back in the ring, but it's strangely quite far off. He will be a challenging OPBF uh, bantamweight champion, Kita Kirihara, in January on January 14, 2021. I'm not totally sure why this ball has been announced so far in advance. Be a really interesting matchup between heavy handed champion, skilled but light punching challenger.
0: How do you think he makes that path back to that title fight?
1: I think he has to get past Kirihara. I don't think that's a given. Um, but if he does, Kirihara is himself world ranked. This would boost the winners' ranking towards a world title fight. The bigger issue might be who's gonna have that WBC title next year? Will it be Danae? Will it be Ubali? Um. Don't see anywhere being able to beat either guy, um, but both guys are getting on. So there's a chance there that he does get another shot at the WBC belt and does manage to take a, uh, a surprise victory by one of those two. The IBF and WBA titles are obviously with his brother, and the WBR titles with Casimero, as we've mentioned.
0: I would love to see him get another shot. I think he's really talented. It's just he doesn't have have the power, that that same power that his brother has. And that, that kind of holds him back just a little bit. But nonetheless, extremely, extremely talented fighter. And I would not be surprised if he got another shot and he took advantage of it. Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Thank you again so much for making us a part of your day. We really appreciate you. I know. Scott also appreciates you going on the website asianboxing.info, where if you're an Asian boxing fan, it's all on there. You know, I was able again today just to go and look up Rentaro Kimura's fight so quickly and able to see the Japanese Lomachenko in his brilliant second fight. So it's been a lot of fun these past couple of weeks, and it's only going to get crazier with some of the bouts that are coming up and coming your way. Scott. Thank you again, and, and what are you going to do now that uh, you have some some time after this podcast?
1: I'm going to actually make food if my other half stays all worked in Splontas.
0: Ooh, okay, so what's for dinner? Fish cakes and chips,
1: as in British chips, not
0: as in your American chips that are really not chips at all. See, that's where we differ. Like, we have chips, you know, we have Cheetos and Doritos and all these tortilla chips. But you, you call chips fries over there, or we call your chips fries.
1: Exactly, and we call your chips crisps.
0: Okay, all right. So, is this fish, fish cakes, not fish? Fish and chips, from what I understand, is pretty popular over there, right?
1: Fish and chips is immensely popular, but uh, fish cakes are like burgers.
0: Oh, so it's like a burger fish patty.
1: Yeah how people are getting food lessons on the Asian Boxing Podcast.
0: I could fly over there right now, and, and you would have fish patties and chips ready. Yeah, you'd have to sit two weeks
1: in quarantine, but yeah, feel free.
0: All right, well, I will see you in a bit. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Thank you again so much for making us a part of your day. We will talk to you next week.